otherwise, as you're able and receive this reading from the Gospel according to Mark, beginning in chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As, is, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Receive what the Spirit is saying. We invite all of us now together to pray. O oh God, be with us now, draw near. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you. You who are our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Comfort, O oh comfort my people, says your God. Receiving these words from Isaiah, our passage for today, struck me in such a poignant way this week as so much terror and suffering, so much violence and grief, so much discord and disillusionment continue to permeate our world and our lives. Don't we all need some comfort right about now? In many ways, and for all sorts of reasons, each of us needs or will need comfort. And I'm not talking about the pillows and velvet kind of comfort, but the kind that we need when we are at the end of our rope, when we're sad, when we're discouraged, or when things seem to be spinning out of control, or the pain of the world seems too much to bear. You know the times that I mean. Those moments of life when perhaps we desire for someone to just fix the things that are so broken. Moments when we may have an urge to crawl up into a loved one's lap and feel their arms around us. When all might feel right with the world, if only we could hear the comforting words, they're there. And trust that some grown-up somewhere who was not us <laughs> was going to sort things out and take care of us. 
Imagine moments when you have longed for that kind of assurance, that kind of embrace, that kind of consolation and encouragement. Perhaps it was a time when something happened that you had no control over, such as a death or a loss of some kind. Maybe what comes to mind is a time of suffering or illness or of pain. Maybe you begin thinking of those times when you've been overwhelmed by life, when you felt anxious or depressed. Or for some of us, we may remember times when we desperately needed comfort in the midst of a mess that we made ourselves. (laughs) Times when we're feeling guilt or disappointment. All of us experience these times when we yearn for comfort, when we long to be held and and assured that everything will be okay, that, that we will be okay. They're there. For some of us, as we draw near the end of the year, as we move closer to Christmas through this season of Advent, we need comfort more than ever. This season brings to mind memory, perhaps more than any other season. We pull out of our attics and our closets and our boxes symbols of Christmas's past. And for some of this, the past is a happy memory. For some of us, it's full of pain. And probably for many of us, it's a mixed bag. But regardless, we're reminded of times and of people who are no longer part of our lives. We're reminded of what was or what we wish might have been. I'm one of the lucky ones for whom Christmas has generally been a happy time of celebration. But this year, as I unwrapped the ornaments for our tree, I was aware of my grief over what has been lost in my life over the distances that exist, the happy times that will never be relived. This doesn't overshadow me, but it's present, it's real. And I know that for some of us, maybe many of us, this time of year brings these kinds of feelings. And while there is a certain energy and even comfortable familiarity to the frenzy of what Christmas has become in the hands of the secular consumer culture, the catchy advertisements and glitzy decorations of the malls are cold comfort when what we really want is to be held by a loving parent. (laughs) That knowing voice saying, there, there. When what we really need is something that truly cannot be bought or sold. Our God speaks to us today in the words of the prophet Isaiah, assuring us that comfort is available. God will feed the flock like a shepherd and will gather the lambs in God's arms and carry them in God's own bosom, gently leading the mother sheep. The word from Isaiah is that God is coming to us with steadfast love even when we have made a mess of things. God is coming to us in the wildernesses of our lives with mercy 
and with strength. And the story that we tell in this season, the birth for which we wait, is of a God who longs for us to be freed from the situations and the temptations that keep us from living lives of wholeness and of peace. A God who acted and acts in the world to save us. And God does come to us in those moments, those wilderness moments when we most need assurance. The prophet tells us that we are to prepare a way for God, not in the most comfortable places, but in the wilderness. Perhaps because in the wilderness, there's not so much flash, neon detours and glittering distractions, and we're more able to be aware of God drawing near. We're more aware in that space of our own vulnerability, our own dependence, our own need. God meets us in the wilderness, we're told. God meets us in our need and loves and forgives and encourages and nudges and holds us close and journeys with us and even carries us sometimes. But God is not, is not a dictator making us, making us do anything. God is not a magician. God is not the deus ex machina coming to make everything right all at one moment. Rather, our God says to us through the words of the prophet John, prepare a way for me to come to you. So how do we prepare to receive the gift of God's gracious presence? How do we prepare to receive the gift of God's gracious presence. We simply turn to God and acknowledge our need. Our need for comfort, our need for love, our need for forgiveness. This humility and openness is all that is required. We don't have to have already calm, healthy, cleaned up lives. Now this, this may startle you or make you go, hmm? Since John seems to be saying that we've got to repent if we want to receive what God is offering. This interpretation, by the way, of the words of John is pervasive. For example, in Eugene Peterson's paraphrased translation of this verse, he says this, he writes this, John came, quote, preaching a baptism of life change, repentance, that leads to forgiveness of sins. In this interpretation, the responsibility is on you and me in the wilderness, in our wilderness places, the responsibility it's on you and me to work harder, to prepare the way of the Lord in our lives and in our world by our own effort. We gotta get ourselves together. We gotta get cleaned up. We need to get our temper under control. We need to get our finances sorted out. 
We need to fix all our broken relationships. We need to read up on what's happening in the world and understand it more and be more engaged. We need to um, stop this and that and start that and this. We need to stop drinking so much and doing all the things that we beat ourselves up for every day. We got to get ourselves together. You see, in this way of thinking, you've got to change your life first, and then God might comfort you with love and forgiveness. Ralph Wood, professor of theology and liturgy at Baylor University, helps us understand the dangers of this perspective and to consider an alternative, and I quote him, The common assumption, found even in the most standard textbooks and dictionaries of theology, is that our forgiveness remains conditional upon our repentance. First we repent and then God forgives. The word repentance literally means a turning back, a reversal of one's course. Only when we do a moral and spiritual about-face, according to this understanding, can we expect God's mercy. Many biblical texts seem to speak this way. Yet this way of reading these texts often leads to moralism and atheism. It makes our forgiveness contingent upon our good deeds, as if our acts of repentance form a necessary symmetry with God's mercy. And it's not difficult to see how moralism issues from in atheism. Because if, if our prior action is the real sine qua non, if it is the thing that is required, then God is eventually rendered redundant. Yet there is another drastically opposed way, he says, of construing not only these particular texts, but the whole biblical tradition as well. It insists upon the paradoxical reversal of the seemingly obvious order. We repent not in order to be forgiven, but because we have already been forgiven. End quote. Wood calls this God's repentance-enabling forgiveness. God's repentance-enabling forgiveness. Consider, in our United Methodist Wesleyan spiritual tradition, baptism is understood as God's prevenient and justifying grace that is given to us. This grace is not earned. It is not even intellectually understood. It's why we baptize infants as well as people of any age. God's saving grace is given to us before we even know how to form the words, thank you. Before we even know that there is a God. Consider in our our tradition, John's message of repentance and forgiveness. These were not new concepts. Jews brought sacrifices to the temple in order to receive forgiveness of sins. But what seems radical in John's proclamation is that there is no sacrifice required. 
Just come and receive baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And that, Wood argues, is a baptism of repentance not in exchange for, but in gratitude for the forgiveness of sins. Did you know that John's name means God is gracious? God is gracious. And John points to Jesus, the one more powerful, the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And we know that Jesus' way of forgiving did not require payment up front. From the cross, Jesus did not say to all of those around, now do you see what you've done? You better try to clean this mess up. You better get your lives turned around. You need to prove to me that you've changed your mind and your hearts, and then I'll forgive you. Jesus didn't say that. What did Jesus say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That kind of mercy and forgiveness is powerful. It transforms It even, on occasions when it is truly received, leads to repentance, to a real change in someone's life. It is repentance enabling forgiveness. Today, we're all invited to prepare the way of the Lord by receiving God's love God's mercy, and God's forgiveness. If today you're feeling lost or alone, addicted or empty, suffering or confused, guilty or sad, hear God saying to you, there, there, I am with you. I will always be with you. All you have to do is open your heart and your life and receive my love, my mercy, my forgiveness. All you have to do is to turn and open your heart to me and I will help you do whatever you need to do. I will help you sort things out. I will help you get through. I will help you learn and grow and change in ways that will lead toward peace and greater wholeness in your life. The promise is that God comes to you offering comfort in the shadowy wilderness places, offering the gifts of steadfast love and compassion and mercy. And God will make a way. There will be no obstacle that will keep God from reaching you with what you need. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and rough places a plain. God will not allow any obstacle to get in the way of God's coming to us. Nothing you've done, nothing that's been done to you, nothing that you've lost or found can get in the way of God's grace. It is always available. God is always present to hold you. to embrace you, to comfort you and give you peace. The choice is yours.
just receive and then get ready for the birth of something new. Thanks be to God.